once again welcome to everyone today and if especially if you're a guest in service with us today we are so happy to have you with us today thank you for being here it is our hope and prayer that the presence of the Lord touches your life today those that are joining us online wherever you're joining from we welcome you as a part of this service today pray that you're blessed by it in Jesus name for those of you that are a part of us you've heard me say this before sometimes uh, the, the singing and the worship goes one direction and then the preaching goes a completely different direction that's the way God orchestrates it other times there's a theme or a flow and we, we've sung this morning a lot about heaven a lot about eternity there was nothing pre-planned this morning um, with the song selection but there is a there is a theme here today and I pray that our hearts and spirits would be open to the word of the Lord today Matthew chapter 25. Don't forget, last Sunday morning I read like five verses, and I, I mean, excuse me, five words, and I was done. So when I get done reading, that'll average out to about five verses last week and five verses this week. Matthew 25 and verse number one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took not oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, Others at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but Go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they were, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on this subject. Proximity is not possession. Proximity is not possession. Father, thank you for your sweet presence. Lord, we've sung about the hope that we have. We've sung about what a wonderful day that's going to be. Lord, the songs we've sung, the things we've expressed this morning are more than just 
platitudes. They're more than just nice little sayings. They are based upon the truth of your word. They're based upon the principles of your word. Father, your word says that you remember our frame, that we are made from the dust of the earth. And so, Lord, you understand our weaknesses. You understand our struggles. Lord, you understand that it's very easy for us in our flesh to be focused on what we see, to be focused on this temporal dimension. But Lord, we weren't made for this temporal dimension. We've got a soul that is going to be eternal, that's going to spend an eternity somewhere. So God, I pray that this service would be more than about just some encouraging words of songs and hope that we have. But I pray that for somebody today, there would be an awakening of the importance and the significance that this life is but a vapor. But there is a life that is coming that is going to last forever. I pray, God, that your spirit that's been manifested here this morning would continue to minister and work. I pray once again today, Lord, that you would allow me not to simply just speak a sermon here, but let me be a messenger that would be a conduit that you could speak through. I trust you. I depend on you today. I acknowledge once again, Lord, that without you, I can do nothing. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul says that our light affliction is but for a moment. And it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Just about any time I quote that verse, read that verse, hear that verse... At the very least, subconsciously, I think of the man that the Spirit of the Lord used to say those words. Because when somebody like Paul calls some things that he went through light affliction. There were some things that Paul went through that to me were very heavy affliction. Paul went through some really challenging, difficult circumstances. He, he, he faced a lot of significant suffering. And he said all of that was just light affliction. I don't know about you, but once again, as I've done in the last several years this past week, as I've thought at times about some of the struggles and the issues that are going on in my life, all I do is just think for a moment about what's going on in Israel in the last week. It doesn't take away from what I'm going through. It doesn't stop the issues that I'm having. But the reminder that there's some folks that are dealing with way worse than what I'm dealing with. So Paul said it's a light affliction. And the reason Paul was able to say that it was a light affliction is because of what he goes on to say. He said we don't look at the things which are temporal but we look at the things which are eternal because the things that we see, they don't last forever, but there's some things we can't see. There's some things that we can't touch physically, but those are the things that are going to last forever. We've sung about heaven today. We can't see it. The majority, the great majority, maybe everybody, but the great majority of people in this place today believe that there is a literal heaven and that you are doing your best to get to that literal heaven. Never seen it, but we believe it. 
But again, we, and I said we, I didn't say you, I said we spend much of our time focused on this temporal dimension. What's going on in this world? I feel like events like the last week that have taken place in Israel and especially in light of the fact that if you know anything about the Bible, you know that what happens in Israel is, is it's important. The events that take place in Israel are significant. And, 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 and so, you know, and I, I'm not, uh, you're, you're going to hear this if you go to your oikos today. This is going to be touched on some more. And I'm not, I'm not here to spoil the lesson for today, but I also don't strategically plan. I just do my best to follow the Spirit of the Lord. But I, I, I've heard some people, and I, I've, I'm not going to tell you I haven't thought, Brother Middleton, in the last week, what, what, what is going on in Israel? Where does it fit in Bible prophecy? The problem, I think, that happens a lot of times when events take place in our world that may have some kind of prophetic significance we get all caught up in where do they fit in Scripture and what do they mean. And then when those things seem to subside, we're like the boy crying wolf. We kind of, well, we dodged another bullet. Bullet. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 9, he says, We, we know in part and we prophesy in part. A few verses later, he said, we see through a glass darkly. And I, I've, I've been raised in church, and, and there have been two different times in particular. Some of you here were here for both of those. There have been two different times where we've gone through revivals in this church where the, the, the evangelist that was preaching was, was focused on Bible prophecy. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jude says that some people you, you, you save them by love, compassion, and other people you save by scaring them to death. But unfortunately, the problem I've seen throughout my life is when you scare people with prophecy and all they did was respond out of fear, not really out of faith. All of that seems to go away in time. And so you, you, can, you can go read Ezekiel, you can go read Daniel, and you can try to figure out Daniel's 70 weeks and all of that if you want to. And then, of course, man, you can read through the book of Revelation, and there's just one verse after the other that deals with stuff about the end times and the future. And you can, you can analyze it and try to figure it out all you want to. Nothing wrong with that, it's there. But we prophesy in part but let, let me give you let me give you what i think is a really simple if you want to know about the end times and how to know if we're in the end times let me just take you to a simple passage and that's what paul tells timothy in second timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1 and i'm going to read it from the amplified instead of the king james for the sake of time but he says he says but understand this that in the last days will come, will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And, and here, 
here are going to be some of the symptoms of those last days and those perilous times. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy and profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhuman. When you read that in the King James, it says without natural affection. And I got to tell you, most of my life when I've heard that, I've thought of homosexuality, that, that that's what that means. And, and that may be an application of it, but but that's not the that's not the essence of it just read again what the amplified says they will be without natural human affection callous and inhuman it is unthinkable absolutely unthinkable things that were done a week ago how in the world can one human treat another human that way He says they're going to be without natural affection, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I said it in, the, in our made-to-be-pure session with our youth and young adults on Thursday night. God created us to want to enjoy pleasure. If you are doing something to intentionally inflict pain on your body, it's considered it's considered a symptom. You've got some kind of mental issue going on. We don't voluntarily put ourselves in pain. We, we don't voluntarily hurt ourselves. We, if you do something that hurts, you stop. God is the one that created us to enjoy, to want pleasure. But the deal is God created pleasure to be enjoyed within certain parameters. And when you talk about pleasure, you got to connect purpose. Because when your purpose just becomes pleasure, that's why we end up with pornography addictions and fornication and adultery and all of these other things because when the purpose is pleasure you you the, the, the excitement wears off oh, I, I sorry i got biological kids and now i got sons and daughter and a daughter-in-law some of them are here close your ears i don't want to make your ears bleed i i i I may be ridiculous or weird or something, but I, when I was, you know, 17, 18 in high school, and my wife that I've been married to now for 31 years was my high school sweetheart, 
boy, we, we, we happened to pass by each other and our hands bumped. It was like an electrical current. I was like, whoa. Man. Whoa. We still hold hands. It's not uncommon for us to ride down the road in the car together holding hands. But I'm going to tell you, I don't ever feel that tingle anymore when I hold her hand. We hold hands as a demonstration of affection. Because that tingle from hands touching wore off after we got married. Because we experience more than holding hands, and I will leave it right there. I don't want to embarrass my kids. I don't want to embarrass myself. Maybe I'll use another example, except that that example I have personal experience with. The next one I don't. So my understanding when you, you know, the first time you tried drugs or a certain drug, it, it only took so much. But then you needed more and more. So when your goal, when your focus is pleasure, you you, you get caught up in things you shouldn't be caught up in. You see, God intended for you to focus on purpose. And when you focused on purpose, you would enjoy pleasure. My focus is no longer sexual satisfaction with my wife. My focus is the purpose of our relationship and, and the bond that we have. And so out of that comes pleasure. We're living in a world that has a, that has a love for pleasure and it's never enough. They will be treacherous, betrayers, wrath, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. The Living Bible says, verse 5, this way, They will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Don't be taken in by people like that. Paul says to Timothy, a sign of the last days where people will experience the power of God, but they will deny the power of it to transform them. Because when you let the power of God work in your life, it brings about transformation in your life. When you let the power of God work in your life, you, you start getting rid of some old habits, some old ways of thinking, some old old behaviors, you start to act differently. You start to see things differently. I wonder if there's anybody here today that's made up your mind. You don't want a form of godliness, but you want true godliness, and you want the Spirit of God to transform you from the inside to the outside. 
think in essence verse 5 is in a nutshell a summary of the parable that we read at the beginning of the ten virgins. He said they'll go to church. They'll, they'll, They'll appear to be religious. The the Passion Translation says, verse 5, like this, They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Does that mean we're not supposed to reach sinners and be around people that need Jesus? Of course that's not, because this is talking about people that know better. This is talking about people who are making a conscious decision. He said, from them, run away. If they've proven they're not serious about it, if they're, if they're, if they've proven they're, they're riding the fence, don't, 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 don't hang out with them, run away. If they've proven they, 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 they want just a little bit of Jesus, I, 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 I made some, I made some cookies yesterday, I, I don't know, this old age stuff, man, is just, I'm becoming a brand new person. I'm doing things I would have never dreamed of doing 20, 30 years ago. I I made some sugar cookies for the wedding a couple weeks ago, and I don't usually say this about anything I make, but they were some good sugar cookies. And I just felt like some sugar cookies yesterday. Thank God only Jesus knows exactly how many of those I had. But you know what? It called for, I think, three quarters of a teaspoon of sea salt. Just a, just a little sprinkle, in essence. I pray that I'm not preaching to people today that want three quarters of a teaspoon of Christianity in your life. The bottom line is, I mean, my palate may not be refined enough yet to recognize it, but that three quarters teaspoon of salt, if it wasn't in there, would have impacted the flavor of the cookies, even though it was a small amount. I will tell you, if you sprinkle three quarters of Jesus in your life, it's going to make a little difference in the flavor of it. But that's not all you're supposed to be striving for. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God I want you to notice in this parable the scripture says there was ten virgins this is representative of of believers of saved Supposed to be saved. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't distinguish them in a in a sense. I know in a couple of verses it references the wise and the foolish, but 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 as an overarching category, it refers to all of them as as virgins. 
They all associated with each other. I, I don't know about you. I can pretty much sleep anywhere. But, 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 but just because I can sleep anywhere, I, I, I'm not sleeping anywhere. There's some circumstances where I don't trust the environment, so I'm not sleeping. Some places, the only way I'd sleep is to have absolute, complete exhaustion. Otherwise, no matter how tired I was, I'm not going to sleep. They, they, all, they all took naps together. They were comfortable with each other. At one point, they all had oil in their lamps. Uh, I know this may not be what you came to hear today, but I'm just going to tell you, Jesus didn't go on the cross so you could have a, your best life right now. Jesus didn't go through all the suffering He went through so you could have your best life right now. He did all of that so you could have your best life in the next life. Because this life is just a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. He shed His blood so that you could have eternal life. Mean to be unkind or offensive, but if you want a feel-good message, you came to the wrong place this morning. If you're looking for a fleshly feel-good message, it is a feel-good message today. If you realize, you know what? I'm living in a crazy, chaotic world, and every day I get up, it's more crazy than it was the day before. But what I know is what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see that in the midst of all of the craziness, There's going to be a moment if I'm still alive that the trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to greet Him in the air. Comfort one another with these words. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know I did it last week. You'll have to humor me again this morning for all of you non-sports people. But 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 this this last going on a week now, the teams, all the teams, the main teams I root for, with the exception of Navy, they have all lost seven games. The Orioles lost three games in the playoffs. The Cowboys got spanked by the 49ers. Maryland, who is five and one, played a game yesterday that should have been a pretty much a given win and they lost I've said it I really need to do it I need to start cheering for all the teams that I hate because all the teams I cheer for can't ever seem to win anything I don't mean to be offensive it was great when the Orioles got 101 wins I think in the regular season but who cares now The Rangers, who only had 90-something wins, spanked them. I'm so sick and tired of talking about next year for every team I root for. (laughs) Next year. Next year. I say that because, man, how many people have their lives wrapped up in temporal things that have absolutely no guarantee? Again, forgive me for those of you that couldn't care less about this, but but the, in the playoffs, three I think three of the top three of the teams with the most wins 
are, are done. They're finished. Teams that thought, well, we, well, we had all the wins. We had the most wins, and we're going to. Nope. See you. You see, you know what's so awesome? In what matters the most? I have a guaranteed. I'm not gambling and hoping on eternity. I've got a guarantee that if I will yield my life to Jesus Christ and surrender my life to the Word of God, I've got a guarantee of a victorious eternity, everlasting life that nothing can take that away from me. In virgins all hang. I don't have time to get into it, and some of you probably have a much deeper knowledge of it than I do. Mine is very basic, but but what you have to understand is in in this in this in this parable that Jesus is talking about, they all understood it clearly in the context of the way they did weddings. Two weeks ago, right? Good grief! Two weeks ago, time flies. Two weeks ago, Nathaniel and Myla got married. The wedding was scheduled to start at 7 p.m. on Saturday evening. Everybody knew that's the start time. But it didn't work exactly that way in the context of when Jesus was saying this. First of all, the weddings all happened typically late at night <laughs> into the early morning hours. And there was, there was preparation that took place on the side of the groom. And there was took preparation that took place on the bride's side. There was all these customary things that were happening. And at some point, the groom would go to get the bride. And, and as was said here, would be customary, someone would yell out, behold, the the bridegroom comes. Here he comes. And sometimes if you study out this passage and study out some of the customs, sometimes it it was actually... It would happen. What Jesus is talking about as a parable would happen. The, 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 the bride and, and, and her friends that were a part of the preparation, they, they, they'd get a little tired and they'd fall asleep. And then be stirred, aroused by the, the coming of the, of the groom. So this isn't just some Vague, whatever little thing Jesus is saying, they they understood the context of what he was saying. They they, they as he was telling this parable, they could relate to to what they actually did. And they understood the relevance of it, and, and and I don't know. Maybe you see it differently. I don't know. Other places, when you talk about sleep and falling asleep, it's a negative. I don't know that here it's necessarily about the falling asleep. I don't know that this is necessarily about any kind of rebuke or chastisement about falling asleep. It's about the fact that some, when they fell asleep, fell asleep prepared. But others fell asleep unprepared. And when the bridegroom shows up and 
ever how long it had been since they had fallen asleep, there, there was a need for some more oil in the lamp to keep the lamp burning. Five of them that had made plans in advance had extra oil. You know, we really, we really have no trouble with faith. None of us have trouble with faith. Sometimes it's a struggle of where we put our faith, but we are. I have so much faith in the estimate of miles to empty on my car. My car, I think, has a 22-gallon tank, if I'm not mistaken. I would venture to say 60 to 70% of the time that I fill up, it takes 21 gallons. If that estimate ever turns out to be wrong, I'm going to be calling somebody from the side of the road. Brother Johnson will be calling you. Years ago, when I was traveling around on Sunday mornings, preaching in different daughter works. We had 15 different, 20 different locations one Sunday morning. In fact, it, was, it may have been the first time I started doing this because my family was still kind of transitioning and I brought them here and dropped them off. And Brother Middleton, I was coming to preach in Severn. What was that, elementary, Severn Elementary School? I had never, never been there before and Brother Middleton was leading that group at the time and he gave me an explanation of how to get there and and I felt like I was familiar enough with what he was talking about that I knew how to get there. And so I, I, I stopped by here before service Sunday morning. I dropped my family off. And as I'm pulling out of the driveway, I, re- I look down and I see that the estimation of miles to empty was about 30, 40. So I thought, I think I only got about 20 to go. And this, this uh, and I know where the the general idea of where the school is, and it's a pretty populated area. So if I can just get to church, once I get out of church, I can get gas before I come back to get my family. Some of y'all think this, you know where this story's going. It's not. And as I'm pulling off the hill, I'm kind of calculating this in my mind. And for some reasons, not my norm, for some reason I decided, you know what, I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to pull into Exxon. And I'm just going to get at least a couple dollars worth of gas. And so I did that, and it gave me probably an extra 50, 60 miles. Of course, that's back in the day when you didn't have to have a loan just to get gas. And I head towards the service and go up to and get on to 100. and, 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 And I thought I knew. The, the exit that Brother Middleton had told me. And actually, at the end of the day, I think I took the right exit. I just stopped too soon because I drove down. I'm like, this doesn't seem... I turned around, went a different direction, and I, by the time it was done, I probably had driven 20 miles. See, I, if I had not have paused, though I didn't feel like in the moment, Some of you don't get what I'm saying. I'm going to help you out in just a second. Though in the moment I didn't think I needed the extra fuel, 
I made a decision to get some extra. I know some of you walked in this place today and life's going pretty good right now and and you got money in the bank and you're feeling pretty good and everybody in your house seems to be fairly sane right now. But I'm just going to tell you, you don't know what the journey holds tomorrow and there is a chance that you walked in here this morning not thinking you needed something today, but God knows what's coming in a couple days. And so God wanted to put a little extra in your tank this morning that you may not need today, but you're going to need it for the journey that's to come. So you should never take an opportunity like this for granted. Behold, the bridegroom comes and they awaken Five realize I'm good, I've got extra oil, but five realize I'm in trouble. I don't have enough. And so they start asking the ones that had enough, give me some of your oil. Come on, I, I know I didn't do what was necessary to prepare, but give me some of your oil. Share some of your oil with me. Those... Wise virgins respond and say, Sorry, you got to go get your own oil. You got to go get your own oil. I, I, I got my oil and I need my oil. You need to go get your own oil. I've come to preach to you this morning. Proximity is not enough just because you're close to the church just because you're close to some Christians that's not enough you've got to have your own source and your own supply of oil and you can't be dependent on somebody else's oil you've got to get your own source of oil Jesus did not say out of a few people shall flow rivers of living water and go get some water from them he said out of your innermost being shall flow rivers Probably some people in this room that somewhere stored in your house, maybe stored in some secret place, is enough food to last you for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Some of you probably got some cash stored somewhere in the house in case everything goes crazy. Some of you got water stored in the house and some of you got generators and some of you got other things already in the house in case we have some kind of crisis. But I got a question this morning. You may have all that naturally ready, but I wonder how many of us today are ready for a spiritual crisis that may come in our future. Have you got some oil today? Not just enough to keep your lamp burning, but do you have extra? What what did the living Bible say? It said they will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Oh, I pray that there's nobody here today that fits that description. I know I need to go, so I go. I know it's a part of what I should do, so I do it. But I'm only, I'm only just associating. I'm in proximity to it. They were all ten together. Spent time together. And then the bridegroom comes and calls them. And five of them, five of them, he says, 
I don't, I don't know you. I don't, he didn't just say, sorry, you're too late. I mean, can you imagine how many people, that when the door to the ark shut, Noah and his family had gotten in. Can you imagine how many people that mocked and laughed at Noah for building that boat and declaring the judgment that was coming at the moment some rain began to fall? Can you imagine how many people suddenly that passed by that ark every day and made jokes about it at their table and talked about that crazy man that all of a sudden they're beating on that door. Hey, I, I, I changed my mind, Noah. Can you let me in? I, I, I see what you were saying is true, but Noah responds, sorry, God shut the door. Not going to be about what any man or woman wants. It's it's not going to be up to an individual to decide that. Sorry, you got a little late, but let's let you in. When he shuts the door, the door is shut. Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. We cast out devils in your name. Sorry. I never. Not, not sorry you came too late or sorry you didn't do enough or no, he said sorry I, I never knew you. I never, I never knew you. Wait a minute, Lord, I went to church. I was faithful to church. I paid my tithes, Lord. Yeah, but did you have oil? Did you have a fresh supply of oil? You know what? I, I love it. If you've been here very long, you know this about me. I love what we do here. I love coming together. I hear people, I just, I, I hear, I hear saved people. I just, I, I'm so tired of church. Well, I, I don't understand that. I, I love coming to church. I love what happens in the presence of God. I, I love being with the people of God. Anything is possible. And, 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 and you know, I've said it already a couple of times, but, but at the end of the day, you can, you, you come and you do your part. You can be guaranteed God will do his part. Sitting there yesterday, and most of the family had come over at different points. A couple of us were watching the Maryland game, and, and they were losing. And my wife walks into the to the living room. She's like, "What's going on? You guys aren't cheering enough." I said it last Sunday morning. That atmosphere last Saturday at Camden Yards for the Orioles' first home game, naturally speaking, was absolutely electrifying. 45,000 people standing on their feet, most of them shaking their, their uh, whatever it was called, their rally rag or whatever. I mean, it was, you couldn't, you couldn't even hear the announcer on the public address system. And everybody in the stands were doing their part. The players got to do their part. You see, here's the problem. Some of you like to come and sit as if that's the stands. And so you can decide, you know, if that worship team does their part, something might happen and I might, we might win. I, I, I'm sorry to tell you there are no stands here. 
There is no court and bleachers. There is no field and stands. Everybody is a participant. And if you decide to do your part, I absolutely promise you, God is going to do His part. Brother Isaac referenced it Thursday night and made to be pure. I believe it's in the book of Job, if I'm not mistaken. But the Bible says the rain that comes down is in accordance to the vapor that goes up. So you know what happens a lot of times at church? You get rained on because of somebody else's vapor. Some of y'all just got a little little rain. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I'm not dependent on somebody else's vapor. I don't have to have somebody. I want to know that I'm sending up my own vapor. Because there may be some times I might be all by myself and I need some rain where I am. I am not a bokoshata rabahaya. It's all right for our guest to get rain because of our vapor. But if you're a Holy Ghost filled person, you shouldn't be dependent on somebody else. Is vapor going up? You need to send up your own. I wish, I'm not saying this for hyperbole or for being dramatic, I wish with everything in me that eternity would be based simply on your proximity. That if you hang out near and stay near to people with oil, that's going to be enough. But unfortunately, it's not. you got to make up your mind. I'm going to stay connected to the source. I'm going to make sure I've got my own supply. I understand there are some times, hear me, there are some times you're weary, you're going through things, that, that it's a wonderful thing to be able to get together with other people. And as they begin to praise and worship, it begins to rain on you but usually what starts to happen in that moment is after a little bit of a t- of time something begins to awaken in you and you may not have sent up your own vapor at first but it doesn't take long for something to begin to stir and move inside of you and you begin to send up your own vapor What would Paul and Silas have done? Locked up in prison. Stocks and bonds. Unable to move. Unable to get the worship team together. 
unable to get somebody to lead them in work. What would have happened if they were dependent on somebody else's vapor? But the Bible says that at midnight, locked up in those stocks and bonds, in a very adverse situation, all on their own, Paul and Silas didn't need the keyboard, didn't need the drums, didn't need a worship leader, but something began to go up from them, and all of a sudden, the jail began to quake, prison doors opened, chains fell off. I think this is, this is the determination that you and I need to get with regards to oil in our lamps. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 43, And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. In Matthew 9, verse 21, of the same Matthew's telling of the same story, it says this, For she said within herself, If I can just touch his garment, I will be made whole. Verse 44 of Luke 8. She came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied Peter and all they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me. She made up her mind. I got to get some oil. I got to get some oil. You see, the, the Bible says they, they, they responded. Peter, Peter responds and he says, Lord, what, 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 what do you mean who touched you? I, I think I think when the Lord asked that question, I, I think a couple of them kind of looked at each other with this concerned look. Is, is, is he okay? Is, he, is the heat getting to him? Did he did he not eat yet today? Is he weak? Because uh, what, what what do you mean, who, Lord? There's a there's a crowd of people. There's a there's a multitude of people, Lord. Everybody's. Everybody's bumping into you. Every, everybody's touching you. Isn't it amazing? You can't tell me that that multitude, that crowd, you can't tell me that none of those people had a need. And yet they were touching Him and nothing was happening. Because all they were doing was bumping into Him out of curiosity. But somebody said, I, I, I'm not here out of curiosity. I, 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 I need something. And, and if I can just get to him, and if I can touch him, I'm going to get what I need. How desperate are you today for some oil? How desperate are you today for what you need?
I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just preaching what I believe is the truth. I wish it was good enough that you just came to church today. I wish it was good enough that you just attended today. But it's not good enough. You got to get your own oil. You got to get your own oil. Sometimes people can help you get it, but ultimately you got to get your own oil and you got to keep your own oil. Throughout scripture, we can find oil, symbolic, representative of the Spirit of God. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, You've never spoken in tongues as the evidence. I heard, I heard a clip of a well-known preacher. Somebody posted it on social media. Man, I need to go back to the media detox. My brain was a lot clearer last month. I haven't completely black backslid, but I, I've gone back to a few ways. That, in fact, this was a fairly well-known, if I called his dad's name in particular, many of you would recognize the name. Oh, why not? It's on public social media. Donnie Swaggart, Jimmy Swaggart's son. Somebody asked him the question, are you UPC? So he was recording a video clip. Kind of neat that he had to take out time to record just to tell everybody why he's not a United Pentecostal Church Pentecostal. And he said something that some of you may want to write. You may write this off as semantics. That's okay. He said, uh, he said, well, one of the things I disagree is I'm Pentecost, Pentecostal, first of all. He said, he said uh, you know, I'm a Trinitarian Pentecostal. They're, they're, they're oneness Pentecostals. But then the other thing he said, they, 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 they say that, that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. And that's, that's not true. It's not true. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. The only thing that I find as a consistent evidence in Scripture, especially in the book of Acts, the only thing that I find consistently as an evidence, and in fact, in the story of Cornelius, the Scripture says it very plainly. Peter said, they got the Holy Ghost just like us. Here's how we know it. We heard them speak with tongues. So, you you don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven, but speaking in tongues is the only evidence I find in Scripture, consistent evidence. The bottom line is this. Let me me tell you something. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. Born and raised in this. My parents came to Annapolis in 1970 to start this church. I was born in 71. This is all I've known. Born and raised an apostolic. I'm, I'm, some of you, if this is your first time in an apostolic church today, you're probably like, what is wrong with these people? I've never seen this. And just because you've never seen what we've done in church before, that doesn't make it wrong. I've been around this all my life. 
I don't remember the first time I recognized hearing somebody speaking in tongues, but I don't, I don't even think twice about it. So I understand if you haven't been raised around it, it's, it's different. But I, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I'm born and raised. I received the Holy Ghost at seven years old, spoke in tongues the first time at seven years old. I'm now 51 years old. I speak in tongues every day. And there are still times, having been in this all my life, got the Holy Ghost when I'm seven, that I'll be praying, speaking in tongues, and I'm like, are you sure about this? I don't have a degree in theology. I got my degree from the University of Maryland in business management. That's the problem with where you go to college. You don't have a choice but cheer for the team. If you detect a little bit of bitterness about my teams right now, it's there. There are still some times. I'm like, you, you sure you're not just making that up? Of course, as my dad, I've heard my dad say when he was struggling with that, the Lord said, how could you be making this up and you're sitting here thinking about something else? making it up you got to be thinking about what you're making up but that oil that oil is the gift of the Holy Ghost and again I've already quoted the scripture but but he's you know wouldn't it be awesome for a whole lot of reasons wouldn't it be awesome to never have to stop to gas up your car that would be so amazing and I don't mean just because the money. I, I don't. Or to stop and plug it in. God bless all you folks with electric vehicles. Thank you. Hope you're enjoying them. I'm not going to say anything else because I'm going to get myself in trouble. So I'm move on. But wouldn't it be amazing to never have to stop at the gas station? I mean, sometimes it's just it's just inconvenient. Again, I just you got places to go, things to do. I don't have five minutes to spare. So, I, I, again, I love what we do here. I love coming together with people of like precious faith. I love it. I need it. You do too. But I'm so glad, Brother Seth, the way you fill that vessel. You don't have to go to 1535 Ritchie Highway to get more oil. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up in the privacy of your residence, you don't even have to get out of the bed to do it if you don't want to. But you can go find some place in your house all alone it doesn't have to be loud screaming hollering waking everybody up and once again you can just get fresh oil fresh oil come on anybody want to get a little fresh oil right now come on there's some fresh oil flowing in this place right now come on there's some fresh oil if you've never received the oil you can receive the oil right now
Come on, it's not about the fact that you have to have your own oil. It's that you get to have your own oil. It's not about an obligation to have your own oil. It's that you get to have your own supply of oil. Don't let it be enough for you just to be in proximity with somebody that has oil. Don't let it be good enough for you just to hang around people with oil. But would you make up your mind? I'm going to get to Jesus and I'm going to get my own source. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving all over this sanctuary right now. I'm thankful for those that have come to the altar. And if you want to do that as well, you can do it. But you can also get some oil right where you're sitting right now. If you'll just open your heart, open your spirit. Oh, fresh oil today. Fresh oil today, Lord. Not enough to just be around people with oil. Lord, I'm not content to just be around people with oil. I want my own source of oil. I want your spirit flowing in my life freely. I know I'm going to have times where I need my brothers and sisters to help me. I know there's going to be times when I'm weak and I need others to help me. But God, that can't be every day. That can't be the norm. The norm has got to be, I've got my own supply of oil. Fresh oil. Fill every vessel with fresh oil today. Lord, not just lamps that are burning, but vessels that are full. Lord, not just lamps that are burning today, but let there be vessels. Let there be vessels that are full of oil today. Church, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now? Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is moving all over this sanctuary. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Scripture says you need to repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you for your sins. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and then you can receive it freely. Yes, Lord. Whatever you got to do to me, Jesus, don't let me be content. Whatever you got to do, don't let me be, don't let me be content with just being in proximity to saved people. Don't let me be satisfied with just being near saved people. I need oil. I need oil. I need oil, Jesus. I need my own source, my own supply of oil. Need my own supply of oil. I need my own source of oil. 
Thank you for the help of my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the body of Christ that strengthens and supports. Thank you for that, Lord. But I need my own oil. I got to have my own oil. I got to have my own source and supply. I need my own river. I need my own river of living water flowing from my innermost being. I need my own river flowing. I don't want to just trust somebody else's river. I don't want to just drink from somebody else's river. I need my own river. I need my own flow. I need my own source. Oh, God. Fresh oil today, Lord. Fresh oil today, Lord. Fresh oil today, Lord. Fill empty vessels today, Lord. Lord, every empty vessel in this place today, fill it with oil. Every empty vessel, Lord, fill it with oil today. Oh, I must be saved. I must be saved, Lord. I must be saved. I must be saved. I must be saved, Lord. It's more important than anything else in this world. It's more important than any other accomplishment in this world. It's more important than how much money I make. It's more important than the position or the status I have. It's more important than the neighborhood I live in, the car I drive, the clothes I wear, the education I get. Far above all else, Lord. Far above all else. Far above all else. I gotta be saved. I've gotta have oil. I've gotta have oil. I've gotta have oil, Lord. I gotta have oil, Lord. I gotta have that flow of living water. Whatever, whatever you need to do, Jesus. Whatever you need to do, Jesus, I want to be saved. Whatever you need to do, Jesus. Far above, far above, far above. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus. Oh, whatever, whatever you have to do, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, far above all else, far above all else, Jesus. Kalamando robo shatarabahaya. Oh, whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Halaboko seti eya rabaya toloboko shatala. In the name of Jesus. 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 If you need to go, you're welcome to, but the Spirit of the Lord is still working in this place. If you need to go, please feel free, but God's not done working in some lives right now. Come on, there's some hearts and lives the Spirit of the Lord is still working in. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus.